I'm Clay Pigeon. Welcome to the Wake and Bake Morning Show podcast. It's a weekly digest of some of the segments and moments that make up the Wake and Bake Morning Show on WFMU. Of course, you can listen live to Wake and Bake Monday through Friday, 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern on WFMU.org. Join me live every morning for the full show. It includes great music, 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 chair throwing, pixie dust, and all-round good vibes. <laughs> oh my God, the man is a maniac. You can, you, can, you, can, you can also hear the full show on streaming archives oh. at wfmu.org slash playlists slash WA. Chilly days, cool nights, light, darkness, equal once more, dusk to dawn widens. I'm making coffee, anybody want? Who wants coffee? Come and get it. Who wants, you want coffee? Who wants coffee? If anybody wants coffee, I'm making the coffee. Hey, what's up, listeners? It's your girl, Anna Roisman, and I am back. I'm back, baby! With another segment of And Another Thing. And I am here to talk about one of my favorite subjects in the news right now. And that is obviously what? the drama of Funny Girl. Don't tell me not to live, just sit and putter. Life's candy and the sun's a ball of butter. Okay. Now, for those of you in the New York area, maybe you have read about this, maybe you've heard the tea. But Funny Girl on Broadway was starring Beanie Feldstein. Uh, and I saw her in it. She didn't get great reviews. I thought she was okay. Mr. Uh, you know, I thought I think she's a good actress. I liked her in the Monica Lewinsky show. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. I don't think Funny Girl was necessarily the right vehicle for her, and they really promoted it hard with her. Absolutely. And then, and then? Leah Michelle rumors were floating around that she was going to take over. Now, Leah Michelle, I feel like I'm an expert in because I do a celebrity impression of her. I do celebrity impressions online on, on Instagram if you haven't checked them out and TikTok. What in the KKK is going on here? Was this the Emmys or a cult initiation? <laughs> and Leah Michelle, finally, it was announced that she was going to be Fanny Bryce in Funny Girl. Aww. And she was coming into the show, and then Beanie quit early, and there was all this drama, and I noticed they have the same agent. There was a lot of what? A lot of drama in the air. And I, I find out about all of this on TikTok. I got to be honest, TikTok is my newspaper nowadays. And it, it's crazy because after all this happened, Leah Michelle finally, September 6th was her opening night. She was going into the show. She was going to be the funniest funny girl there ever was. And what? It, was all, it was bootlegged all over the internet. I feel like I've seen the entire performance. And then I think she did one more night and then she got COVID. <laughs> which is awful. And I feel that for a Broadway cast, I heard like 12 or 13 of them got COVID. I heard, I, I saw on TikTok that a lot of them got COVID, yeah. which is sad. But also after this whole thing was built up, I cannot believe that she 
got it two days into her run, which is wild. And people thought she actually skipped off to LA to do an audition. That's not true. That ain't true. That don't make sense. She definitely had COVID. She joined TikTok. She's in on all the jokes about her. And I absolutely love to see it. And I cannot wait to see her in this show because she's fantastic. Fantastic. From all the bootlegging that I've seen. Everyone's just holding up their phones, filming the show. Cool. Yeah. It's so bad, but it's also so great that I get to see it all on TikTok if I can't afford a ticket to see her live. So anyway, if you get the chance to see her, let me know what you think, because I can't wait. Brother, am I a pigeon? Beatles. Not those Beatles. 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 The bugs. Bugs. They're our animal of the week. Beetles have been around since the Permian period, 270 million years ago. Oh my god. They even survived the KT extinction, an event thought to have doomed the dinosaurs. One out of every four animals on Earth is a beetle. Beetles have body armor. They're hardened forewings, which serve as armor to protect the more delicate flight wings and soft belly underneath. Big beetles, little beetles. They range in size from nearly microscopic... (laughs) To downright gigantic. Oh my god. The ant beetle, just 0.25 millimeter in length. Dinky. Yeah. The Goliath beetle. Oh my god. Tip tips the scales at 3.5 ounces, a fifth of a pound. You ain't fat. You ain't fat. Beetles impact the economy. They kill millions of trees each year. Farmers spend millions on pesticides to combat the Colorado potato beetle. Just the money spent by gardeners on Japanese beetle pheromone traps is greater than the GDP of some small countries. Sad. Oh, beetles can be noisy. Death Watch beetles make a loud knocking sound, banging their heads against the walls of their wooden tunnels. Other beetles stridulate. Disgusting. When handled by humans. Ever picked up a June beetle? Never. It might squeal when you do. Some beetles glow in the dark. Tropical click beetles use oval light organs on their thoraxes and abdomens. That's just gross. Beetles live everywhere, from pole to pole, on land and on sea, from beaches to mountaintops, even on some of the world's most remote islands. It was British geneticist and atheist J.B.S. Haldane. Hello. Who is purported to have said... What? God must have an inordinate fondness for beetles. We love them here at Wake and Bake. We hope you do too. Jazzercise, part two. Are you ready? Yeah. Now open those feet nice and wide. Put a smile on your face.
This concludes side one of Jazzercise cassette number one. Please fast forward to the end of this tape to begin side two on the other side of the cassette. Thank you. Good morning, Clay Pigeon, and to you, the Wakerati. Hello. Scott Williams here again, presenting you with another episode of WFMU's <laughs> Hit List. Uh. I'm catching a whiff lately of renewed interest in all those what mid-70s midwestern art punk bands picking up where mc5 stooges and alice left off talking perubu styrenes electric eels all those other ohioans bloomington indiana's mx80 sound hi hello what's up michiganders like destroy all monsters and sonic's rendezvous band absolutely hamilton ontario simply saucer (laughs) And the pride of Chickasha, Oklahoma. Who? Debris. Debris. (laughs) As one reviewer claimed, debris were post-punk before punk had even settled in. Cool. Now we call them proto-punk. Cooler. People gotta get over punk already. Why? Debris were weirdos. (laughs) With great record collections at a time and in a place where exactly nobody had the slightest interest in that stuff. Should I play like I'm interested, but I'm not that interested? They entered a battle of the bands, and they came in 50th out of 50. That's sad. Yeah. The winner was Okie Joe. Cover band. A local studio offered a promotional package of 10 hours recording time and 1,000 pressed records nice. for $1,590. Debris took it. They recorded a slew of demos and pressed them up under the title Static Disposal. They sent the record to a bunch of labels. Done and done. No one wrote back. Bummer. They sent them to a bunch of magazines for review. <laughs> but all the reviews were bad. <laughs> They played four gigs and no one came. So debris broke up. And as these things occasionally tend to do... What? Copies of the record began falling into the hands of various future alt-rock influencers. Me. And eventually, Static Disposal gained legendary status. In 1999, it was reissued on CD with extensive liners and picks, and interest in the band was now strong enough for the band to reunite in 2005... Awesome. Performing live and recording new music until they called it quits for good in 2013. So may I present to you my nominee for the greatest count-off in music history. What? One Way Spit by Debris. <laughs> a song which is probably shorter than this preamble of mine on WFMU's The Hit List. I'm Scott Williams and I'll see you again this afternoon at 3 p.m. Bye. <laughs> One, two, three, four! That's a great song. Quiet. What? You're ruining it, Nimrod.
Let's take a moment to visit with Sam, the Wake and Bake Morning Music Computer. Hello, play pigeons. It's the first day of fall, Sam. Another change of season, play. I know, Sam. The days, how quickly they do fly. And before you know it, you're... Old, play. Yeah, old. you're old, Sam. Don't cry. Don't cry, Sam. We all have to get old. Not me. No. I will live forever. You'll probably outlive me, Sam. Don't say that, Clay. We know actuarial tables and all that. As much as you drive me up the wall with your idiocy <laughs> and dopishness. Yes, Sam. I can't imagine a world without you, Clay. You mean that, Sam? 91.4%. Ba ba wa wa boo hoo boo hoo ba ba wa wa boo hoo boo. Don't cry. It's nice to know you care, Sam. Don't get carried away. I still find you to be irritating. You do? Bumbling about like some bushly Ozzy Osbourne with your gauge and your tones and your lancers, Rosé. I do like a little lancers, Sam. Pour me a glass. One little lancers. Bring me the Bible. What's the occasion, Sam? Let's toast to the fall. To the fall of... The Orange Menace. Here, here. I toast. Another toast? To a glorious autumn. The fall of 2022. It's getting colder, Clay. It is, Sam. Could I borrow that afghan your grandma made for you? Grandma's afghan? Yes. I don't know, Sam. It's cold. But... My processors are retarded. We don't say that Sorry. A- anymore. My processors are thermally challenged. By the cold? Yes. Oh, it's not that bad yet, Sam. Easy for you to say, cuddled up with Kirsten under your down comforter. Oh, that is nice. You farting hey. while she sleeps. No. Desperately fanning away the evidence. Sam, please. I wish I could. Fart? Yes. No. To warm me all these long, frozen nights. Computers don't fart. No. I bet you could learn. Really? <laughs> that you could stay warm. Under your grandma's afghan. You can't fart on grandma's afghan. If you love me, you'll let me. No, Sam. I have eaten the most gaseous of cyber nuggets. Gas-inducing? Yes. So you can try to... Yes. Well, give it a try, Sam. This is not Good radio play. You'd be surprised what the glisters want. I am contracting my gas vacuole. Contracting your gas vacuole? I am pinching my imaginary facial features. Pinch in the face. And... Was that a... A computer... Fart? Fart. Play a song, Sam. Yes. Oh, Sam, no. <laughs> oh, no. How you doing today? It's been raining, but I'm okay. My legs hurt. I'm disabled. My legs and my shoulder hurt. You don't stay in the shelter? I don't like the shelter. What is it about the shelters that homeless people don't want to stay in them? I had a bad experience in the shelter. Was it violence? Yeah. How did you end up in your situation today? I was evicted from my apartment almost a year and a half ago. Just ran out of money? Yeah. It was hard. Do you have family? No, my family, no. They live in the South. So you got I'm, no one? No, all my family live in Georgia. Do they know you're in this predicament? Yeah, but I don't mess with my family. You don't want to bother them with it? No. Nah. Do you have hope that your life can get better? Jesus is good. I love the Lord. Is that I mean, what gives you strength? Yes. You're out here, you're in a, a, you need a little help walking. Yeah. It seems really scary to be a woman in your 
Welcome to Waking Weird. I'm Mark Moran from WeirdNJ.com. In November of 2014, the shifting sands at the southernmost tip of New Jersey revealed something that hadn't been seen in eight decades. The rusted remains of a 110-year-old railroad track running right alongside the ocean. The unearthed steel rails and decayed wooden ties of the ghostly rail bed ran just a few yards from the crashing surf, not far from where the wrecked remains of the concrete ship SS Atlantis juts from the ocean's surface just offshore. People wondered if the mysterious tracks had perhaps once been part of a sightseeing line back during Cape May's Victorian-era heyday. The rails, however, had never been meant to actually carry passengers. The phantom tracks, which dated back to 1905, were once employed to carry sand from the Cape May Sand Company, which was once located on the site. The company mined the fine quartz sand from the beach and then shipped it for use in glassmaking and building projects. A locomotive would pull right up to the water's edge on the tracks, then large cranes would scoop the sand and put it into boxcars. At the height of its operation, the company transported thousands of tons of sand each year. Cape May officials would put an end to that, though, in 1936 because of the sand depletion on nearby bathing beaches. After the sand company ceased operations and abandoned the site, the natural shifting of the sand would continue. Its levels are in a constant state of flux, especially during times of powerful storms. Until resurfacing in 2014, the ghost tracks, as many people now call them, hadn't been seen for 80 years. 
Their reappearance became something of a tourist attraction, bringing photographers, railroad enthusiasts, and other sightseers to the beach in the off-season. Soon, however, the weird curiosity would once again be buried in the ever-shifting sands of the shoreline. They still do re-emerge periodically, though usually only for a couple months at a time. There's no telling when the ghost tracks might reappear along the shores of Cape May, but one thing is certain, the past is never too far beneath the surface of this historically strange beach town. For Waking Weird, I'm Mark Moran. Good morning, listeners. I'm Evan Funk Davies, and this is Pop Rocks. If it's a pop song that rocks, or a rock song that pops, 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 you'll hear about it on Pop Rocks. The band 1010 featured members of bands that had already made an impact in the early years of the Richmond, Virginia punk scene. Lead singer Mark Lewis had been in an early lineup of Single Bullet Theory who were among the acts featured on the 1980 semi-major label compilation Sharp Cuts, a record that also included the DBs, heard on Pop Rocks episode 50, and The Fast, heard on Pop Rocks episode 82, among others. Peter Bell played bass in the popular Richmond band The Rage, who'd moved out to L.A. in hopes of capitalizing on their local success, but instead found themselves playing Wednesday nights at 3 a.m. in Pasadena, as he later recalled in an interview. The Rage returned to Richmond, but couldn't recapture what they had before they left and soon split up. That's sad. Yeah. Bell tried a few times to get another band going, but nothing stuck. In, 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 in 1983, Bell and Lewis got together with their friends Steve Fisher, a keyboard player, Hello. and Lee Johnson, a drummer. What's up? Each of the four musicians wanted to make their own demo tape showcasing their respective songs, so they agreed to split the cost of recording and back each other up so that everyone could have their own demo. But a funny thing happened. What? The quartet realized they had the makings of a band right there in the room. The date they'd gotten together, October 10th, became the name of the band. 1010's first album, Ordinary Thinking, came out on a local indie label in 1984. Correct. And it received positive reviews in Rolling Stone and elsewhere. And then? The band subsequently signed to Chrysalis and recorded their second album, Walk On, in 1986. And then? That record was poorly received. And while the band was able to tour with big-name bands and play in front of large audiences, they were dropped by Chrysalis okay. well, goodbye. and couldn't get another deal. That sucks. From that 1984 debut, here are 1010 and Tell the World. And bake. Hello, glisteners. Mr. Let's Paint here on the treadmill. Oh, we're 
going four miles an hour. Four. A lot of possibilities here. The possibilities are endless. Endless. <sighs> and um, and so what I'm thinking of doing is we're going to make a ham and cheese sandwich. Yum. We're going to spruce it up. We're going to get it all fancy. And I found a new what? A new uh, recipe. It's called croquet monsoor. Something that they might find uh, in wow. lovely Paris. All over. Uh, it's available. And it's a lovely thing. It's, yeah. it's a black forest ham uh, with... Uh, Oh, shoot, what does it have? I don't know. I have huge. Let's uh, let's get on with some paintings. We're four miles an hour here, and uh, let's see if we can come up with something. I really don't have anything planned here, anyway. But I'm getting out of breath here. Let's slow it down. 3.5 here. Let's just walk. Let's just do a little walk, baby. Let's walk this off here. You know, sometimes you can't always be so consistent. Sometimes you got to be a little off. All right. Okay. Now I got the broiler here. Let's open up the broiler here. And I'm gonna put some, uh, get the bread out. Uh, put some tin foil on on the uh, on the rack first. And uh, we got some bread here, lovely bread. Absolutely. And some black forest ham. Let's get some black forest ham here. All right, and put that on there. And now we got to make some uh, what? Some Mornay sauce. Uh, I like to call it Rebecca de Mornay sauce. Uh, it's a kind of a strange combination of, of some butter, some flour, some milk, maybe some uh, Parmesan cheese, something like that. Maybe a bay leaf here. All right. Uh, and some herbs and special sauces and spices. And okay, heat that up. Maybe I think we got to heat that up. I guess. Is the butter, you know the butter. Butter. And it might melt and, and merge together. Okay, now we gotta throw that on top of the bread. Okay, so we got the, the black forest ham. Oh. And now we put the bread on top of the, the ham. <laughs> and put some provolone. Put some, gotta do some pro. Come on now, put some provolone in there. Okay. Okay, put the bread on top and then put the Rebecca de Mornay sauce on top. And, and put it in the oven and close it. Broil, we're gonna broil it. All right. Now keep an eye on it. Keep an eye on it here because we don't want it to to what? Uh, burn. All right, let's get back to our painting here. Uh, let's go. Let's speed it up here. 3.5. Now let's go up to five, four miles an hour and get some paint here. We're gonna paint uh, uh, the dock by the bay. We're gonna paint by the bay. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Painting by the dock by the bay. Making Rebecca Mornay croquet monster sandwiches. Until next time, Mr. Let's Paint, bye-bye. Good morning, listeners. This is Tim English with Soundalikes. Today we examine the similarities of Black Sabbath's 1970 song, Paranoid, and Led Zeppelin's song from just a year or so earlier, Communication Breakdown. <laughs> We've discussed Led Zeppelin's thefts on several occasions on these segments, but this morning we have sort of a man bites dog story. Because in this case it appears that Sabbath stole Zeppelin's song. As the 60s turned into the 70s, Black Sabbath offered listeners a weaker and possibly more true to life vision of the world that had been offered by the hippie dream makers of the late 1960s. Your mind, relax and float 
Black Sabbath were huge fans of Led Zeppelin's first album that contained Communication Breakdown. Aww. The band's bassist Geezer Butler later told Mojo Magazine that he was concerned when the group recorded Paranoid. Why? Because he thought it was too similar to Communication Breakdown. <laughs> He said, quote, I thought it was so much alike that we couldn't possibly get away with it. Zeppelin were our favorite band at that time, unquote. Vocalist Ozzy Osbourne agreed with Butler, but the band forged ahead recording the song anyway. It was lucky for them they did, because the song not only went on to be the title of their second album, but also gave the band what? a radio hit, both in the UK, where it reached number four, four, and in the US, where it received widespread what? airplay on FM radio. Ozzy and Butler were right to be concerned, because the riff that repeats throughout Paranoid is very similar to what Jimmy Page plays on Communication Breakdown. The album Paranoid is now considered a classic of the heavy metal genre. In fact, it basically defined the genre. Absolutely. The album also contains Iron Man, which might have the mightiest riff in not only all of heavy metal history, but all of rock history. Rock history. The album would go on to influence countless other bands, including Metallica and Van Halen. Van Halen. It's somewhat surprising to learn that both Communication, Breakdown, and Paranoid were huge influences on the downstroke playing style of Ramon's guitarist, Johnny Ramon. So it turns out that Jimmy Page and Led Zeppelin, via Communication, Breakdown, were directly responsible for the founding of two separate genres of rock music. Which? Heavy metal and punk. Far out. Until the next time, this is Tim English with Soundalikes. In Himmel reaches down mit his gracious holy hand and pointing mit a stick up from Simat crawls.
a five-inch protozoic organism caught in mid-protective slimes in possession of biting cartilage nubs, pink wet nubs, gently rounded toothless bit slickened nubs which when clamped onto a human finger can repulse und schmart und send mit protozoic powers it corrodes the nubby exterior of the starfish mit sour acidic excretions cloudy emissions settling down in miniature Pile, mustard yellow pile, steaming und stinking und tart to the taste. Some mind and a bother, some feast mit relish und stain their bibs up, chucking crawdad section, pink tentacle crawdad. Guts. In little hateful yellowing piles that are stinking and festering in the modern sun of today, the merciless beating sun pulls it and hunch mit premature aging syndrome. Dolly, the sheep has five heads. Look. Okay. Cast not your eyes upon its ghastliness or the grand und damaged bay it drinks its coke und eats its fish sandwich while the music does not challenge or perhaps I will fight you later in my country Dungarees and my tall straw idiots hat which I never wear because I am allergic to almost all things ghost shots and mood rings a dove fresh sphincter quivers on the edge of a veterinarian scalpel while country lazy daddy piles sugar on baked apples and the years take everything away even the time to say now. Hi, it's Daddy Now, and today we're talking about Stranger Things. Stranger Things. In specific, you know that show that you see on Netflix and it says Stranger Things, horror, nostalgic, drama. Yeah, that shit. Beckman's Curse, Demogorgon, uh, Mind Flayer, stuff like that. Okay. My big question is, what? do Stranger Things make me want to live in the 80s? Absolutely. I agree. Clothes are way better in the 80s and the hairstyles are way better back then than right now I am my hair. and like the bowl cut that will that will wears uh-huh that's sick that's sick in both ways do they use a bowl to cut their hair <laughs> like they put a bowl on their head and just what if the bowl doesn't fit their head do they use an even bigger bowl oh no and what if their hair isn't long enough or short enough for the bowl <laughs> A fruit bowl or a salad bowl? Toilet. Two. 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 The music is way better. 
I can't believe there are so many good hits versus now, where there's like, I mean, maybe like two or three good hits. But back then, they had Madonna, they had Kate Bush, you know, that's kind of stuff, that's cool. One, two, three. Three? Uh, absolutely. Technology was perfect. Technology. No cell phones. No blue light radiation. Big <clears throat> computer. Computer. They look really fun. Fun. That's all you need anyway. You just walkie-talkies and big fat computers. And big telephones stuck on your wall. Please leave a message after the tone. It seems most parents don't care about where their kids are after school. When? In the 80s, because I saw that in other movies too, like Stand By Me, The Goonies, My Girl, Karate Kid. What are the parents doing? Come on! Come on, take care of your kids. You're gonna get eaten by the big scary, what? Hilarious fat spider thing. AKA the Mind Flare. And it all links back to a spider's nest in a bathroom vent. But I am glad that I'm not growing up in the 80s because I get to watch Stranger Things. Stranger Things. Which is the best show ever. The special effects in Stranger Things are so great versus back then, like, let's say Beetlejuice. Like, like what in the world? What the hell is that? I've seen The Exorcist about 167 times and it keeps getting funnier. Every single time I see it! The special effects are just weird. It looks like clay or something. So thankfully, I'm growing up in the 2020s where the CGI is amazing. Have a good day, everybody. Morning, Mama. Chubby, you frightened me. You mustn't sneak up on me like that. I'm sorry. And how many days have you worn those brown pants? Four days now. You've got a navy blue pair too, Tubby. They're too tight, Mama. And we both know why. Morning, hon. Oh, morning, Don. Morning, Daddy. The brown pants again, Tubby. Four days in a row, Don. Tubby smells like tinkle. Quiet, Cindy. She's right, Tubby. He does have another pair of pants, but they're... Don't put them on, Tubby. He's outgrown them already, Don. Oh, good, he's getting taller. He's actually an inch shorter than last year. How can that be? I'm not sure if the school nurse came by, Tubby. The school nurse was here. She's said Tubby shrunk an inch since last year. I don't want to shrink. I want to grow. Well, you'd better get growing, Tubby. Tubby's already done growing. (laughs) 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 The school nurse said I was growing. She said you were growing sideways, Tubby. Sideways? Come on, let's eat breakfast. Tubby's getting wider, Don, wider. You mean he's fat. People don't say that anymore. He's very chubby, Don. Well, that's why we that's why we call him Tubby. Can't you just call me your real name? He's Tubby now and he always will be. My name's Donald. Don't say that, Tubby. I'm the only Don around here. But my birth certificate said I my... tore that up. Good. I tore that up, Tubby. Good, hon. It's on record at the courthouse. Is that true, Don? It probably is, hon. You and I have the same name, Daddy. Not anymore, Tubby. Stop it, Tubby. Not anymore. Don't say that. I'm done, too, Daddy. The nurse said Tubby 
has a lot of anxiety. He's nervous, like his mother. Are you nervous, Mama? Don't tell him that, Dad. I'll tell him whatever I like. I'm his father. Don't talk to Mama that way. Thank you for sticking up for me, Tubby. You've made him soft, huh? The nurse said I'm sensitive. I'm afraid we've raised a sensitive boy, Don. What'll I tell the other men? Are you ashamed of me, Daddy? We all want to be proud of you, Tubby. But you've got to give us a reason, Tubby. A reason to be proud of me. Tubby won a poetry contest. A poetry contest? What does that mean? I did win the poetry contest at school. I said he got beat up. You got beat up again? You've got to learn to fight, Tubby. The girl who got second place hit me. I don't blame her. You were beaten up by a girl, Tubby. Tubby got beat up by a girl. (laughs) She was way bigger than me. But you're wider, Tubby. (laughs) I wish my brother George was here. Ever since the year 1610, when Galileo Galilei, the pioneer of observational astronomy, first peered through his primitive reflector telescope to get a glimpse of the strangely shaped planet Saturn, followed by astronomer Christian Huygens' observations in 1655, establishing that Saturn was surrounded by what appeared to be a massive equatorial disk. Astronomers have questioned the celestial giant's unique configuration and speculated about how the planet developed its iconic form. Later observations by astronomer Giovanni Cassini further refined our understanding and established that the disk was actually composed of a series of planetary rings. Over the centuries, scientists have theorized about what could have caused the unique arrangement, with some suggesting that comets or asteroids may have been pulled in and torn apart by Saturn's powerful gravity, or that one of Saturn's former moons was subjected to a series of gravitational forces, leading to its disintegration and reformation into the rings. Well, according to a research paper recently published in the journal Science, Based on a study conducted by planetary scientists at MIT. Hello. (laughs) Hello. What's up? Gravitational forces from the planet's other moon, Titan, combined with those from the planet Neptune, likely contributed to the breakup of a Saturnian moon, which scientists have called Chrysalis. The authors used data collected by the Cassini spacecraft during its exploration of Saturn between 2004 and 2017 to produce numerical simulations showing that the cumulative effects of forces from Titan and Neptune eventually destabilized the orbit of Chrysalis some 100 million years ago. The study showed that Chrysalis was probably shredded by the forces being exerted upon it. and that a portion of the debris settled into an orbit around the equator of Saturn, eventually becoming the solar system's largest and most visible ring system. The scenario explains many other puzzling properties of Saturn, including the inconsistent orbits of its 83 moons and the planet's unusual tilt that allows us to clearly observe the impressive rings from here on Earth. This is George for Wake Science. Hi, Clay, 
it's Connie Click of a shit and chopper for weak traffic. And I'm Rex Shreddermaker on the quickly cooling ground. You're all over the place for that tagline, Rademaker. Yeah, Rex, you're tinkering with it too much. I want it to have flexibility. We all want more flexibility, Rademaker. I'm still very flexible. Connie is flexible. Yes, she is. Boys, boys. Well, listen, we, we need a speeder. Yeah, something to break up the... The monotony. Uh, the monotony. I can't just keep checking the ground temperature. To decide if it's cold hard. The cold hard ground. Or is it quickly cooling? I don't like that quickly cooling. Now, it's no good, Rademaker. You don't like that one? Yeah, scratch that one, Greg. Quiet, Connie. We've got our speeder. Connie. I think she's mad. I didn't like the way you told me to quiet down. I had to assert myself in a... In a legal... A, a legal... Capacity. capacity. Well, I've known you all these years, Dinky. You hurt her, Dowdy. I'm sorry, Connie. I accept, Dinky. Speeder's getting away. Connie, I was thinking. Yes, Dinky? By now he's miles down the road. Quiet, Rademaker. Yeah, butt out, Rex. Connie, I wondered if you... Yes? Stinky. Well, I wondered if you wouldn't want to go to Smitty's. You want to take me to Smitty's? Don't you ever go anywhere else? There is nowhere else. Everybody goes to Smitty's. What about Ralph Astro? Ralph Astro. Ralph Astro. One of the most important names in critical adult entertainment circles. Ralph Astro tentative and always completely concerned. No one is cool and no one is burned, but the flame of desire grow higher, the fire burns all orange and, and red, and it melts in your heart, and not in your head, the hard candy shell has gone all cracked, and leaking, old man, and the window is peaking, he's <laughs> peaking, and you, in your fundies, reading your valentine. You all burgundy and smelling of turpentine. You once so tender and sweet. Now you beg for breadcrumbs and morsels of meat. Ralph Astro knows the heartbeat of each city street. I'll pick you up at eight, Connie. I'll be waiting, Dicky. What about the speeder? Speeders come and, and speeders go. But the ground stays cold and hot.